Welcome to the Conversations with Women of Color podcast with your hosts Danusha and Megan. In today's episode, we chat with Amy Isaacs, owner of the self-care studio Cape Town. Amy is an occupational therapist and speaker who uses her social media platforms to focus on mental health and self-care. Today, she shares valuable insights on self-care, collective trauma and overcoming fatigue during the pandemic. Hey Amy, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks ladies. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're very good. Thank you for asking. Hi, Amy. I'm good, thanks. I'm so glad to have you here today. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's so cool to chat. Yes, so are we. I think the topics that we're going to discuss today is uh, very close to Danusha and I. So, um, yeah, we're Mm. very, very excited to hear your insights on um, mental well-being and self-care. So, um, to get started... Uh, we all know that this year has been rough. Well, not only this year, but last year as well. Um, a lot has happened in the last mm. year. And um, yeah, I'd like to know, we, we have the saying that self-care comes um, with the idea of nourishing yourself on every single level. In mm. this time that we live in right now, why is it important to practice self-care? Um, yeah, absolutely. The last year has been um, quite challenging for everybody. Um, and I, I love the space of, of nourishing and making self-care nourishing. And it's just because you know, the, the space of self-care should be so much more than grooming, than the space of, you know, like general media for today's self-care as um, face masks and bubble baths. And I know you guys have a, a podcast about that as well. And I know it's something you talk about <laughs> in your pages all the time also. <laughs> it's mm. important for people to know that because that is such a, for me, it excludes people. Um, and it's, it's, you know, self-care is for everyone. And as a health professional, for me, self-care is everything you need to do in order to keep yourself healthy, in order to keep yourself um, an active member of your community, and in order to keep yourself out of hospital, really, and away from health professionals. Um, not that we don't want to see patients and clients, but just that, <laughs> you know, we all have the ability to look after ourselves. We all have the ability to, um, to limit or to decrease our risk for illness. And that's where the nourishing part comes in, is that we actually just need to care for ourselves a bit more. And nourish is such an interesting word. Like, what does it mean to actually nourish ourselves? And it, it, you know, it means that we actually have to be considerate about what we do for ourselves, what we put in our bodies, and not just in a physical space, but also what we, what we read, what we learn, what we watch. We have to be considerate of all these things that we are putting into our body um, and into our minds so that we can consider how do we get better? You know, how do we, how do we feel better? How do we become the better version of ourselves that we, we want to be? Um, hope it answers your question (laughs) yeah it did that is so um profound because whenever you think of the word nourish you you tend to Mm. attach it to this physical thing that you need to eat or Mm. consume but Mm. I didn't actually think of it as the psychological thing so I need to be mindful of what I read or how much Mm. time I spend on social media or um the the people I spend my time with although obviously now we're not really really seeing Mm. anyone um, but that's that's really profound, and I'm glad that you um, explained it 
like that because I think that um, people will get a better idea of what self-care is. Mm, and even, you know, what we watch on Netflix or, sorry, not Netflix, any, anything we stream, what we watch. Yeah. Um, because I just from a personal space at the moment, we are, we are watching a lot of like detective crime series, lifestyle mm. things. Um, and there's so, so many of it on, on streaming channels. Um, and even the space of we're also really into the sci-fi space. And, um, you know, there's lots of things of witches and all of the, there's lots of interesting things to watch at the moment. But there's also a lot of violence in all of them. And our minds have really become so accustomed to that violence. And when do we give it a break? Because we must remember that our, our brains are all about perception, that they can't particularly, or it doesn't particularly give a complete differentiation between what is real and what is not. When you're watching something that, that is heartbreaking to see, you actually physically feel it. That trauma is not just there on the screen. You take a bit mm. of that in. And with everything that you consume, you take a little bit of that trauma every time. What are you doing to balance that? What are you doing to show yourself in your, this isn't my life. Like my life allows me to, my life allows me to, you know, add other points of, of joy and other points of happiness and spaces that I, that I can really nurture myself um, and nourish myself, like you're saying. And we should balance it. So if you're constantly watching um, shows that have levels of violence or prejudice or um, racism, things that really target you, you know, things that are real triggers, when are you adding things that nourish you also? When are you watching feel-good shows? When are you reading um, six people's success, success stories, things where where people have dreamed and their, their dreams have become a reality, where, you know, really feel good things so that we balance it out because it's, it's important what we give to our brains as well. We, we take it on. That is so true, eh? I mean, I was watching this um, documentary with my partner. They were speaking about some of the, um, the criminals in the UK. And I don't know, but I just got so involved in this documentary. Mm -hmm. Like an hour later, I was still doing more research on this guy. And mm -hmm. it, it makes you feel so triggered and anxious. And I mean, we yeah. live in quite a violent country and city. Mm -hmm. And so obviously that doesn't help when you are outside or when you're in an Uber, mm -hmm. you start to think something's going to happen to me because you keep watching these, like, um, these documentaries or reading these stories. So... I mean, even watching the news, I've actually just stopped yeah. a couple of years back. I can mm. basically control and rather go onto the art um, onto the websites and read the articles when I feel like, okay, now I actually want to like commit time to it. But um, mm. I try not to uh, read too much of the news as well because it makes you very fearful and anxious yes. of you know the current state of affairs. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, news is also written in that way. Um, I remember speaking to a journalist recently because I get, um, as, a, as a person of color, I get very upset when the media portrays success stories as a story of, you know, had to work through and grind through really difficult circumstances um, only to become, you know, the, the, the narrative of, of people, for example, from the Cape Flats of like you had to go through such a difficult space that you actually overcame it. There are other stories. You know, there's a different narrative, but media consistently portrays this. And when I spoke to a um, journalist about it, she told me, you know, we trained to write like that. Like, this is why, and this, this journalist left, um, left like general media in the South African space. And she's like, we are trained to write like that. And when you write something else, you are not included in, in sort of, or published, et cetera. And that's a problem. But 
the narratives also that we are given in, in local media and just general media, you know, we can change the narrative. You can shift your perspective if you just consume content from other sources. And this is why it's so important to listen to voices of other people of color, because that's not always the narrative. There are other options and other stories yeah. need to be told. Um, so it's also important that we share our stories. Mm, I 100% agree. I also don't watch the news um, and I also do agree. I think in our previous podcast, we talked about sharing, you know, more success stories of mm. black women and brown women. And it is um, untold, often untold. And I think the news is, you know, mostly negative and that's what helps them sell or that's what gets them more views. Um, but now we're all looking for a really, really good story or we're looking for something mm. positive to read. So it does help. You just mentioned community as well. When you're speaking about self-care, I just wanted to ask you, what is the difference between self-care and community care? Oh, that lovely question. <laughs> I think it's, and you know, that there's, a, there's an easy space at the moment to feel like we're not part of a community, but we all are part of the community. And if we, we consider that we, we need, it, it's almost a reciprocal relationship. We need to be part of the um, spaces in our communities. And we also need to realize that people in our communities need us. We all have something to give. We all have something to contribute. And we all should be listening to other people in spaces so that we realize that our perspective is not the only perspective. Um, the difference between self-care and community care is actually it's, it's interlinked. You know, if my community is hurting, if my community is struggling, um, it's hard for me to to be aware of or to not be aware of that. It's 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 hard for me to not consider that in my in my circumstances and in what I do on a daily basis. And it's also hard for me to not take that on um, and to mm -hmm. realize that <clears throat> in a lot of spaces that you are. You know, a lot of our communities have certain narratives and it's important to understand that even though you're part of a community, you don't have to follow a space of a community. A community is linked in terms of sharing, not in terms of that's the only space that you are. You can rise above certain circumstances in your community. You can push past it if you feel like it's not for you, um, but you can also connect to it when you feel like you're kind of lost in your way of, of who you are and where you come from. Um, and we have different communities. Social media creates a community now where you're not particularly having anything except a similar interest. Um, and and maybe for you, part of your self-care is to grow that interest. Um, and you're using this community to learn and to nourish that space of learning in yourself. I think it's interlinked because we, as humans, also need people. We need um we need social connections. We need to be able to, to talk to people or communicate, um, however communication is for us, because talking stuff here for communication, but we need to be able to communicate. And also, unless you're part of a community, you won't realize what isn't, that there are other forms of things, there are other forms of communication, there are other forms of mobility, there are other forms of conversations. Um, and if you're just saying in your own space, you won't learn any of those things. And again, as humans, we are social beings. We need connections. Mm -hmm. So then is it safe to say that you can't practice self-care without community care or it's more self-serving if you're only practicing self-care um, and not community care? Hmm. I almost want to say I feel like self-care is community care. 
Um, you know what? It's, for me, it's so interesting that if we, or, you know, we could change communities, and this is what I'm super passionate about is changing communities. And I feel like mm-hmm. we could change communities by growing and caring and nourishing ourselves. And we have to start with ourselves. I can't care for people without caring for myself. And I, mm. I'm, I, I think just as a human being, I specifically am very um, empathetic. I'm very aware of struggles in communities around me and communities that I've worked in and just general spaces of different communities. I'm very aware of struggles in it. And I have always felt the space of, I can't help a community that I feel needs help if I have not helped myself. So I've taken a lot of time to learn about spaces in, let's just look at the space of women on color of self-love and even resting, um, women on color and resting. It's so hard for women of color to rest because mm-hmm. we're always so busy. We are always so busy. And we have been taught that it is required that we are always so busy. It is whether you are a stay-at-home mom, you're always busy looking after different spaces of the home and caring for kids, etc. Um, or whether you're a working, um, working woman and you're coming home and also then caring for the space that is a home and other places in your community, whether it be church groups or the other religious groups, etc. We're always doing, we're always caring, we're always moving for others, but when do we move for ourselves? And when do we know that we actually deserve that rest? That it's okay to not spend every minute of the day doing something and then just collapsing at the end of the day, thinking that, okay, now I can mm-hmm. rest. Um, there's, there's, there's a, a political space in self-care. It absolutely is because we, mm-hmm. we need to move and like grow our communities, but you have to look after yourself and you have to understand the different elements of yourself and heal those different elements of yourself. Um, you know, rest is, is self-care. Rest is, is political self-care. It's, it's healing ourselves as women of color and saying that, you know what? Yes, I will take it up again tomorrow, but today it needs to be me first. Um, and when you say mm. me first for yourself as a woman, you're also saying me first for the next woman or you first. How are you doing? You can't come to our group as or in our space and not be okay with yourself. Um, and as friends, as, as colleagues, as um, just the network that you have, we want you to be your best version here. Um, yeah. I talk a lot. Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mind. <laughs> Amy, that was so, so profound. Like um, one thing that I've learned from Tanusha is that you can't give if you haven't filled yourself first. So she always speaks Mm. about like fill your own cup first and then give to others. So I think that Mm. just resonates with what she always teaches. And then another thing you mentioned that just like clicked with me now is like there's this sense of guilt and I see it with the older generation, especially you know, they have to keep busy the whole day, you know, Mm. and if they rest, it's almost like they have to justify it. But there's also this strong sense of guilt, like, I have to justify why I'm sitting down for 10 or 20 minutes to relax. And I'm like, you can't keep busy, you're gonna burn out. Like, yes, yourself, you know. Um, So yeah, that was really, really profound. Wow. Thank you. That's also just a a testament to self-care. So I, before, before chatting to you guys this morning, I took, um, I was up super early. I did a mindful cup of um, coffee this morning and then just really took some time for myself, um, a bit of prayer time, a bit of just reflection, um, took a really nice shower and then dancing to really nice 
music before I spoke to you guys. And it's just, oh, yeah, it was lovely. full on. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I put some, um, I'm yeah. really into cake. Like, I know I'm going to be talking on my page about not eating too much sugar, but Sunday morning cakes is like a thing for me. It's something I grew up with. This is something I've expanded on. It's so like often on a Sunday morning, I'm like, hmm, what can I bake? So I pop some stuff in the air dryer as well. It's, I did things that are fully for me. And you know, there are a lot of older generations that don't understand the space of what are you doing for you. And it's, it makes me very sad because it's, it's just like, I feel like, you know, they, there's a lot of times, we, like you're saying, we can't get them to just actually sit. You don't have to do that now. Like, this just can wait. The washing can wait. It's okay. You can have a cup of tea. You can have a cup of hot tea. It's, it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. But our, mm-hmm. that, that generation didn't have that luxury. Um, and it's a privilege. It's such a privilege that we have it. Um, you know, that I could take that time on a Sunday morning. Um, whereas I know when my mom was my age, she couldn't do that. She had kids. She was prepping them for, for church. She was prepping Sunday lunch. She was prepping everything for the school week. And I know there's still a lot of women that that's what their Sunday looks like. Um, but I also think it's important that we remember that self-care is a privilege, that we are so privileged to be able to do it, whether it be um, being able to buy face masks, because grooming is part of, of, of self-care. It's, it's, it is a part of what we, what we want to present to the world is part of our self-care. Um, but there are people who can't afford those masks and lovely um, creams, etc. But there are other ways to add self-care. And... You know, this is very much part of why I started Self-Care Studio, so that people can understand that there are other ways to care for your body. There are other ways to look after yourself. You don't need money for it. Um, it doesn't need to be another thing that goes in your budget. You do deserve a portion of your budget going to you and to your self-care, but you get to choose what that is. And that might be a new book that you buy for yourself. Every month. It might be a new lipstick that you do. It might be a class that you pay for. Um, you deserve it. But also we must remember that it's a privilege to be able to deserve, um, to afford it. Um, but yeah, where I was going with that is that the time this morning allows me to have this conversation um, and be a lot more in control of my thoughts. Whereas, and it's so interesting, I did a self-care class yesterday, but I was so frazzled with it that I got so distracted so often. Um, and on my reflecting it up, made myself think that, you know, I... I need to look after myself, like you're saying, to be able to give, to be able to host self-care class. I mm-hmm. have to be looking after myself. I actually cannot let it slip. And when I have, I have not been able to run classes. Um, and there again, I go, I, I, I link that to community care because I, I feel like my community needs more access to these things. Um, and this is also why self-care studio started. So like, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. We can't give without looking after ourselves. It's not... We're just not designed that way. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I agree. You have to fill up your own cup first and, you know, then give on to others. Otherwise, it's you just deplete yourself, like what you're saying mm. right now. Um, I've actually read a post of yours. I think, I'm not sure when it was, maybe a week ago or whatever. You said that media often portrays self-care um, as related to beautiful feminine mm. skincare products, lotions, masks, bath bombs. You said this is not self-care. It's an element of grooming. Do you want to get into that? What is What is that What mean? I'm saying by that is that, so in that post, I also put up the, the World Health Organization definition of self-care. Um, and that was important because self-care is something that as a health professional, something is something I, we advocate for because 
as if you're a patient of mine, you need to understand that there's a level of, of agency in your care, um, that there's a level of as much as I want to do, um, or that when you see me as a, as a patient, um, there's only so much I can do in that time with you. And it's even more so in, in, um, in countries like South Africa where access to healthcare is really difficult and really challenging for many people. So if I've got a patient and I'm only seeing them for an hour every two to three months, possibly, very possible in our mental health facilities. What I need for my patient is to be able to access other things when they're not with me. And that is your self-care. That is your space of when you leave here, I'm going to give you a home program. Things that you need to do for yourself to look after yourself so that you don't get readmitted. That is my goal with my patients. I don't want you to get readmitted to hospital. It's absolutely fine if you need to. Absolutely fine if you need to. But as far as possible in our healthcare systems, because we have such limited access, we're not, we're trying to keep beds available basically. And COVID was a great example of that. We limited alcohol so that the trauma units weren't full, so that the rehabs weren't full of people who had motor vehicle accidents, so that we had more space for patients who were going to come in with COVID. It was necessary. It was necessary for the healthcare system. Mm. Very similarly, in our, health, in, our, in our communities and in our healthcare projects, there are healthcare projects that look at mental health so that we keep you out of mental health facilities. There are outpatient programs. There are things that you require to do on your own to keep you out of, of hospital. The very basics of that comes down to what you do on a daily basis and how you look after your health on a daily basis. And this is why I started small change um, weeks where I'm just, you know, one small thing you're changing. And just by doing that, you improve your health. So if you're drinking more water, you're improving your health significantly. If you're cutting out um, excessive amounts of sugar and processed food, you are improving your health significantly. That is you looking after yourself. Grooming is part of that, absolutely part of that. You know, what we present to the world is part of, of who we are. It's part of our self-care. It's part of, you know, I, I want to present a certain um, image when, when, I, when the world looks at me. And we all have different images that we want to portray. And it's, what's important is that you are authentic in what you want to portray. You know, is it, if you are the person who absolutely loves wearing makeup every day, wear the makeup every day. If you just want to do eyeliner, then just do that. Or if you do nothing, then do nothing. Whatever serves you, serves you. Um, it's about being with the owning what you, or being okay and loving yourself enough to say, I'm okay in this space. I'm okay that I don't wear makeup every day. Um, I'm okay, or I love myself enough to want to brush my hair every day. Sure, that's what I want to do. But I might not super style it every day. It's okay. It's, it's, it's what happens for me. Um, I might want to do a face mask two to three times a week, but I'm not doing it because, um, because people are looking at me and going, oh, your skin is so bad. I'm looking at it because I'm going, hey, I want to take a couple of minutes to chill out in the bed. And you know what? While I'm going to do that, I'm going to put on a mask because I'm, my skin matters to me. You know, what I look like matters to me. But that's grooming. Those are not, it's not active caring for yourself. It's part of a bigger package. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you so much for explaining that. It makes perfect sense. So just speaking about that daily practices, by the way, I love your small changes um, theme that you have going. It, it really does help. I think people don't know where to start. And just one small change can make a huge difference. So for these people who don't have time, and I say don't have time with inverted commas, to practice self-care, what are some 
quick but effective self-care practices that so I'm, I'm going to link it especially to the time now and what's happening now and what we should really be considering now is what stress is doing to our bodies um and i did a session on stress yesterday just because what stress is doing to our bodies and our brains at the moment is significant we have never lived in a time like this before um we have never lived in an ongoing state of stress like this many of us haven't some of us might have if you look at people who've had um, long-term conditions or a family member that's possibly had cancer for a long period of time or any terminal illness you know people have experienced long periods of stress um I often think of lately um, people who love to apartheid have experienced long periods of stress. Um, I am really keen to speak to my mom and other people who've loved to just speak to them about their resilience. And you know, what did you do to build up that resilience? And what did you, how did you look after yourself at that time? Because it, it was traumatic, it, it really was. Um, and what we're experiencing at the moment is a trauma and we need to consider what the stress and the trauma is doing to our bodies. Um, simple things you can do at the moment to really care for yourself is pay attention to what you put in your body um, and you know pay attention that you you give yourself the time to have a meal and i know that and i'm saying this because i know there are a lot of people who are just reaching for another bag of chips as a meal for that day um, there are people who are just going i'm just going to have a bowl of fries or i'm just going to have noodles or i'm just going to have um you know whatever's easy on hand as opposed to considering i need to nourish my body it is so important um, I need to add some fruits and vegetables. Like I need to drink my water. I need to move my body. And movement can be anything that feels good for you. You know, take, if walking feels good for you, great. If dancing does, great. If sweeping through your home and dusting everywhere feels good to you, then great. And if you none of it feels good to you and chores are something you have to do, then put your laundry basket at the far corner when you're hanging your washing because what you're doing is you're moving your body from the laundry basket to your laundry line you know like put your basket down in front of you and practice proper squats as you pick up these things to hang up I mean, change the way you move your body but we have to move our bodies we can't be sitting in front of the laptop all day and then going to sit in front of the tv all night we we are the long-term effects of this are going to be significant on our bodies and we have an opportunity now to either come out of lockdown in a, a stronger space or in a space of nourished and like you know i tried um if you if you didn't and you can't that's also okay because it's hard um and this is also why small changes you know one extra glass of water a day um one green vegetable a day like let's try for small changes because if you must also remember that it's, as much as we want to talk about um you know what do we need to do if you're living with depression, all of this seems impossible. And it's, it's, it's what depression does to, to your brain, to your body. It makes you feel like, you know, you getting up for a shower feels like a really hard work. Um, eating anything that, that's, that seems like you need to be able, that you must put it together, seems like really hard work. Um, so as much as we, as I push self-care, I also do one small change because I know that there are many people struggling with depression at the moment and everything feels difficult to do. So it's, easy to give solutions but we must also remember that it's okay if it's hard to do like try one thing just keep remembering that you are important and that you deserve the, the try you deserve the self the care for yourself you deserve the nourishment um but try small changes you know like breathing is also something that is so accessible um yesterday i taught a breathing exercise of inhale for four 
hold for seven and exhale for eight. And we can do that multiple times when you're feeling more stressed or anxious about something and it will really calm our nervous systems and it will allow us to calm our bodies in order to focus more on what we need to do. And if you're struggling at work at the moment with just concentrating or focusing, everything else could seem hard, but what could really help is taking one to two minutes to focus on your breath, set an alarm if you need to. But if we focus on our breath, it can really allow us to just center and ground ourselves so that we can keep trying because that's what we're really all doing at the moment. Everybody's just trying to do their best and your best is good enough right now. Yeah, I love the concept of um, one small change. And I have to say that many people don't actually know how powerful breathing mm -hmm. is if you're doing it correctly, like taking a deep breath and just, um, you know, releasing it. Um, meditation is so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's healing. And it's just like one of the things that helps me to focus. It helps to center myself. It helps to... Um, set the intention for the day ahead. So it's these exercises that you are sharing. It's so powerful. Um, I think that I just want to touch on self-love mm. um, because I believe that self-love and self-care is so strongly related. Mm. Um, would you agree that if you can't love yourself, it's very, very difficult to love others? I don't know. Like I've been thinking about this question a lot. I think it's such an interesting one because um, I often think that sometimes we find it easier to find things to love in others than we do in ourselves. Um, and I think a lot of us were almost, I don't want to say raised in the space, but you know, when you're growing up, it's, it's almost, it's very rare that people tell you like, you know, what do you love about yourself? Like, when you, as you're growing up, like, are you thinking when you're 10, like, oh, wow, I'm really cool at drawing. Like, this is really cool. Like, that requires so much nourishment as a child as you're developing and growing um, in your first couple of years for you to be able to, when you're young, be able to look at stuff and go, oh, wow, like, that was really cool. I did that. Um, I really love this talent I have. I really love the way I speak to people. Um, you know, like, and that's just loving elements of yourself. That's not just love. That's not loving yourself as a full space. But um, I think it's easier for us to say, I love that about external things. Like, um, I just, I, I, I feel like it's easier to love other people first. Um, I think you need an element of self-love for sure to truly love someone, because I think we, we also need to unpack the word love quite often, because that's also just used everywhere. I love this. I absolutely love going here. Um, what does love mean? And, you know, when you're talking about loving somebody else, what does that actually mean? Like, do we love them as long as they fit into this box um, that we thought we wanted or we want them to fit into? When they start showing things or being authentic in themselves and they don't fit into that box, do we still love them through that growth? Um, or do we only want to love someone when it is convenient to the mold that we have created that we want them to be? Um, I think that that's it's completely different spaces. Um, I think loving ourselves also is a space that comes and goes. Um, the impact of change in our lives is significant. And we often, research has shown that we often, because we change, we become different people, we learn, we unlearn, we grow. Um, there might be some times where you don't particularly love yourself through that. There might be some times where you're going, oh, I, I really 
I don't know where I'm at at the moment, you know, like I'm, I'm needing to find myself and you know, I'm needing to get back to where I was. Or oh, actually, I don't want to be that anymore. I actually want to become a little better at what I was. Um, I think loving ourselves also changes as we change and grow. Full, authentic acceptance of yourself, I think, is different. Um, and I think self-acceptance and self is required for self-love. Like, are you accepting just who you are? Is it a matter of, you know, I, I, um, let's consider something as in, what's a trait that people consider quite negative, but it is what it is. Um, some people have a really bad concept of time. <laughs> really bad concept of time. Um, but there are things that you can do to put in your life to make that better. And yeah, sure. But do you accept yourself with that? And in order for you to accept yourself with, or to make things better by putting things in place, you have to accept yourself with that. So if I go, I am, I'm really bad with being on time. I need to get better at it. So I'm accepting that about myself and I'm loving myself to want better. So I'm going, great. That is an area of myself that I actually want to improve on. The other things I'm going to do to try and learn to improve it. There's so much self-love in wanting to improve yourself. Um, mm. you got to accept who you are first before you can know how you want to improve yourself. And are you improve yourself because people say this is what you should be? Or are you improving yourself because actually this is who I want to be? That's uh, very interesting. Um, I read about the uh, seven aspects of self-love. Um, they speak about self-care, they speak about um, self-awareness, self-growth, there's, there's different topics. And um, one of it is also self-kindness. Mm. So when you are going through change, um, just be gentle on yourself because um, there are times where we don't love ourselves as we should. Um, but I think it's so important during that time to mm. be gentle, um, to be kind, to practice various aspects of self-care, whatever that is for you. Um, but yeah, that was so interesting. And I like that you mentioned the fact that sometimes we only love people when it's convenient mm. for us. Or, you know, I, I often find that there are conditions yeah. to love. It's so difficult to find unconditional love. You know, we you can just show up as mm. yourself and people don't judge you, they don't, um, you know, they don't like look at you because you're doing something that's a bit different. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, um, unconditional love is so hard to find. Mm, mm, mm. I agree. Yeah, so we're speaking about um, grief. And last year, you did a post on grief. And the caption or part of the caption reads, COVID-19 has caused loss of income, security, events mm. that signify a rite of passage, like baby showers, weddings, matric balls, and even great art school plays that you might have seen your little one in. If you planned or dreamed of a moment and it's not happening because it's something out of your control, you'll mourn it in, in some kind of way. We're also grieving our freedom, our movement, friends, family, connections, and even just going to our favorite restaurants. Whatever you're mourning, your grief is valid. Your, your feeling is, is normal and it's okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Grief can have an impact on our physical and emotional well-being. And it's not linear, um, has no time frame, and comes and goes just like waves. It will not go away completely. Some of you are always grieve the loss so my question about grief is how can you care for yourself while grieving oh i love that question and i think it's so relevant at the moment um 
And I want to link it to what we were talking about earlier when you're saying being kind to ourselves and gentle with ourselves. And I think that's really just grief is so difficult. You know, I saw a, um, a diagram yesterday on Twitter post, I think, and it, it really just spoke about how your grief doesn't go away. You kind of just learn to almost carry on with it. And some days it is not really there, and other days it is so overwhelming that it might feel like you can't even move. Um, both days are valid, both days are real, both days are just how you are feeling. Um, and I think they require the same level of, of self-care, of self-kindness like and just being gentle with yourself, allowing yourself to feel those emotions. Um, many times when it comes to grief, we don't allow ourselves to grieve. We, either busy ourselves with something else or we mm. get completely engrossed in something just you know we distract ourselves um you know grief is such an interesting space it doesn't go away it's you know even if we keep distracting ourselves and we keep doing something else it's our our, our especially when we're grieving people and i think this is going to be a huge space going forward because I'm sure you guys, as much as I have, and people who are listening to your podcast, have been receiving just messages almost daily of someone who's passing away, um, mm -hmm. at least once a week. Um, and there are days when it's just overwhelming and it's multiple. You know, we're not, especially when it comes to people, we're not mourning people like we used to. Um, a year ago, if someone you knew passed away, it would, have been, it would have been a complete change in your life for the next couple of weeks. You would have been visiting people and you would have been in people's homes you would have been um, at religious services or at just community services and yeah we link back to what could the impact community has on our self-care because we need people to grieve we grieve as a as a community and, and now we're not mm -hmm. we're, we're home whether we're home alone or we're home with just our immediate families um it, there's often spaces there where you don't particularly feel comfortable enough to grieve you know you We've also all been taught, especially as people of color, that we don't openly show our emotions and cry in front of our family and friends and just be like, mm. oh, this is difficult, you know. Um, I think that's also what's required in grief and going forward in self-care from a community aspect is to create spaces for people. You know, like, tell your loved ones, it's okay if you say it, especially if you've got children. Children also grieve. It's so important to acknowledge their grief. Um Children will show you grief in different ways. They will show it in how they play. Um, they will show it in how they draw. They will show it in how they are clingy or extra clingy with you as students. And it's, it becomes such a, a, a difficult space because as adults, we pull away. Um, we want to grieve on our own. We want to really just hold our own space. And children want to be clingy. Some adults might want to be clingy also. Some of us just need touch when we are grieving or when we are... are are deeply sad or, or hurt about something. We, we all have different needs. So I think in a, in a community, in a home space, what's important now is to tell your community what you need. Um, I, I spoke about yesterday in my self-care class about my husband who is now just become so used to me going, I just need a hug because deep pressure calms me and I'm anxious or I'm sad. Um, it's, we, all have, we all have different sensory systems that require different things. And our sensory systems help calm us when we are feeling really big emotions. Um, so I'll, I'll have day times when I'll have a couple of times a day when I'll tell him I actually just need a tight hug. 
um, I also have to be sensitive that that's not what to do what he needs. Um, but I'm creating a space where he can also tell me what he needs. Um, I need time alone. Um, I need, I actually need us to watch something funny. I, um, I need to go for a walk. You know, like we need to be caring for ourselves and others in a way of being kinder to each other. It's, it's a very difficult space. Um, I, I'm very aware of people's grief and just how because we're not grieving as we used to and mourning in community as we used to, it's almost as if we're just going next, 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 and grief compounds. It layers over itself all the time. We might, we've, we're, not, we're not done mourning that person who passed away six months ago and now we've got another person. Um, we're not mourning the space that we couldn't go on that international holiday, but now we're mourning that. And we're mourning maybe that we lost a job, that we, um, our kid can't go to that school anymore. Or you know, just the fact that you're missing people and then people are passing away. Grief layers on top of each other. And it is important to care for ourselves in a time. You know, remember the people. Um, tell their stories. You know, phone a friend if, it's a, if you've lost a mutual friend. Um, phone another friend just to talk about remembering them remembering the time they did this or how they were funny when they did that or how this was actually challenging for them um you know if, if you're mourning a holiday or a big life event that you're going to do after covid as some people say you know that you're not adapting to um then keep dreaming about it you know build those vision boards around it um keep filling that space for yourself and, and adding to and value to yourself so that you you cushion the layers of grief. Um, there's no quick fix to grief. I think that's super important to say, you're not gonna wake up in a year's time and not miss that person. You'll always miss an element of them. You just, you know, there are days when it's just less. Um, and on days when it's not just less, it's important to, to look after yourself. Um, say, you know, maybe, maybe getting out of bed is hard today because it's their birthday. It's the first birthday that they're not here. Um, it's holiday seasons are hard for that reason. There's always a first. Um, and sometimes when you miss someone for a long time, it's a matter of hours. It's been 10 years since I've had a birthday with this person. It's, it's still harsh. It's still difficult. Um, I want you to know that your grief is, is still valid. The time does not change that. Um, it's just easier to manage. So care for yourself, you know, like, have a really nice meal on your birthday. Um, even if it's a plate of veg and fruit platter or like you know, make their favorite meal. There's also, as much as I speak about, or I will be speaking about like whole foods, it's also so important for us to get back to the foods we, our communities now, um, the foods we grew up with because there's comfort in that. This is why when we have funerals or big family events as, as communities of color, there's a lot of food because that's how our communities showed that we were celebrating um, or that we were gathering as a community. It is, it's important that we connect with it. So if you're missing a loved one who's passed away, cook their favorite, their favorite meal. Um, if you don't know the recipe, Google it. Ask another family member, how would they have done this? This is what I found. Um, there are different ways to nourish ourselves in this time. And it's, I think what's most important is acknowledge that you deserve the key and the rest and that you deserve the time to mourn and to grieve. And 
that is valuable in there's value in it um but that you also deserve to to sort of come out of it to keep going in in mm-hmm. in honor of the grief and for yourself as well it's important to give it the time that they look after yourself too wow um i think that's so important you know allowing yourself um time to grieve and just creating safe spaces and also mm-hmm. understanding what you need um versus what your partner a family member or a friend needs um mm-hmm. i recently um a friend of mine one of her family members passed away and i was just reading the comments on um on the post <clears throat> she was obviously just announcing the death of this person and i just found it very interesting that 90% of the people were saying things like um stay strong be strong and i mm. thought that's actually the worst thing you can say <laughs> to someone because they grieving you know they lost whether it's a friend or a colleague it's so traumatic right now like we've heard about so many deaths over the last year and now you're saying to this person be strong like that's the that's the one thing you don't want to be in the moment you want to yeah. be vulnerable and yeah. you know i just sent her a message and said like you don't have to be strong please mm. you really don't have to be strong be vulnerable mm. and just allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you're feeling because mm. your feelings are valid and you don't have to uphold this like this um the strength um so i really think we we also have to be mindful of the things we say to people when they are going through um traumatic um and a traumatic experience or if they've just uh lost someone absolutely i've been telling people lately you know like i am the space if you want to send a really long voice note where you are sobbing and swearing and shouting and all of those things just venting yeah. about your pain send me the voice note i will not take mm-hmm. it personally i will not um take it personally that you are angry with me because it's just you saying i i also have noticed that recently of the thing for strength for you yes i am paying for strength for you but i also know it's so hard to be strong and it's we we are we are humans you know we need to have moments of vulnerability um but it's hard to be vulnerable so we need to create spaces where people can be vulnerable um so have a group chat with some with people that you trust people that you know won't go off to other people and say you know oh yeah Amy was so sad in this group chat this week it was really difficult to listen to her cry again can't she get over it no that person mustn't be in your safe space and in your safe circle and if you hear mm-hmm. people go in that space of get over it we cannot be telling people that they must get over anything it is not our place to tell people to get over anything mm-hmm. you must also tell people i don't have the capacity for this right now like i can't actually mm-hmm. listen to you vent i'm so sorry that i can't but i also need to know that i'm not going to be what you need right now you could possibly yeah. give me some time and then i will be what you need but if we are all you know it's the same thing as earlier if we are all drowning we can't we can't expect other people to just sort of come help us while they are drowning also um but if you find that in you in a moment you know like, you're okay you know you're in a safe space you found this little floaty in all of this um, storms and chaos that we are in at the moment and you're okay that you can pull a friend along and say um i'm in a good space I'm not saying you have to but i'm saying i'm available and i have space if you need to cry if you need to vent if you need to be vulnerable because it's so hard 
to have people like that in your life. And it is important that people say to you, I am the mm. person. And then you have the responsibility then to be the person, to not to go speak about their pain to anybody else. Um, and this, of course, it becomes too much for you. And then again, you must tell them, it's, thank you for sharing with me, but I'm, I'm, an, I'm really struggling with my own emotions at the moment. Um, what you could have maybe created there is a friend that will tell you, you know what, because you've helped me for so long, let me carry you a little bit. We, we, we need people in our lives for the spaces. And if you don't, then this is also what therapy is for and what therapists are for. Um, and other professionals in your, in your space, you know, you can find, go to your doctor, tell your doctor, you know, I'm really struggling with, with everything. It's the grief. Because of the grief, I can't concentrate at work and I am getting into trouble at work. These are real problems that people are having that, you know, your productivity and your, your concentration is down. And if you don't have a workspace that is understanding, then it could look like you're actually just slacking and you're not. You just don't have the capacity to, to be fully present in your workspace. Mm -hmm. um, so if that is the case, then go to your doctor and speak to your doctor about it. Your doctor might tell you, no, actually, this is a little deeper than you think or bigger than you think. Let's look at getting you more support. Um, and whether you're in medical aid or not, there are other spaces in our communities that provide support. There are other mm -hmm. counseling spaces that provide support. And I think what's important for people to understand is that you deserve it. It is for you. We are so often told that these spaces are not for us as people of color, but they are. They are therapists that look like you, that sound like you, that understand where you are coming from and there are ways to find them. There are community projects. If you're not on medical aid and you can't afford to go to therapy, there are community projects that are out there that are trying to provide services um, mm. and they need our support and they, they're there to help. So whether you want to support so that your friends can have more support or whether you actually need the services, it's there for you. It is available mm. to you. Wow. Um, you are dropping gems. <laughs> There's so many things I want to say right now. But like, you know, I've just developed this habit of late um, where I just say to people, I don't have the mental capacity to listen to you right now. Even if it's just for an hour or two, I'll be like, you know what? Can we just talk about this later? Because I can't deal with what you're experiencing and I'm also having like a difficult day. So I think mm. it's just important to be honest um, to the yes. people you speak to. Um, and most importantly, I think a very um, crucial aspect of self-love and self-care is boundaries, you know, making yes. sure you set boundaries in place and you have to do that however you see fit. Um, sure, like I said, I, I have so much to say, but we are limited. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, so obviously, over the last year, we've experienced individual and collective trauma. Um, I thought that, you know, when January arrived, I thought like, it's finally over, or it's going to be a bit like easier, but it just doesn't seem like that's happening at the moment. So how do we deal with the trauma that we've experienced over the last, let's say, 12, 13 months? That is a long time. Um, I think most of the things we've been talking about in this session is a great way to deal with this trauma. But I think what's firstly you need to acknowledge is that you have been living in a traumatic situation um, or in a situation that where things are difficult and challenging. And I think we need to 
acknowledge it and we need to tell ourselves that this is why it's okay if you're not okay um and it's again there are things that, that you can do and put into place like the self-care that we've been speaking about for this, this session and it's yeah it's, it's mostly important for me as is to acknowledge that things are difficult we all try to put up many of us try to put up this brave face of like okay i'm going i'm going i'm going everything's okay everything's okay slow down a little bit like acknowledge that it's not okay and then try to adapt what you're doing at the moment so that you can add moments of being okay um i think many people are struggling with productivity i actually really hate the space of productivity the word even do you know that productivity was not a word designed for humans it was a word designed for factories and machines and how fast oh the factory can make something. Right? No way. Right? <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know that. I am, um, and I, I mean, I, I've also always been about, oh, how can I be more productive? And then last year I was invited to speak on something in the middle of sort of um, the lockdown space. And whenever I struggle with, anything i know google google is my first space but i also google the definition of something so that i can go okay what is the core of it so that i understand how i can implement things better for myself or for my patients etc um and i google productivity and productivity as attached to a human is really not something that it was created for so we always go oh how can i be more productive you were not meant to be productive you were meant to add value and if we change the system, shift the thinking of from how can I be most productive to how can I consistently add value to the spaces that is required, it shifts our thinking. It becomes about community and people and the greater space as opposed to just me and my output. Why do we have an output? Like it's it's, it's a hard space. And I know a lot of people in, in, a, in a corporate space, we're looking at like key performance areas, et cetera. If we shifted the thinking a little bit of, you know, like my key performance areas that I need to make X amount in my budget, or I'm going to take myself as a personal example of this, because in my day job, I have an X amount of budget that I'm required to spend because I, you know, I, I, I go both ways. I need to spend a budget and then I need to manage a budget. So it goes both ways. And in terms of my performance areas, managing that budget is a performance area. So my productivity in that would be sure. I've ensured that I have booked as many things as I need to book to spend my budget and to manage my budget. If I shift my thinking to how can I add value, the way I look at that budget would go, what does it need to be spent on? Where is the best way to spend it? Where is the best way that it can be used in the most, not productive, but the most value-adding way to whoever needs to add that, give, give value from the space? Now, I know I work in a nonprofit space, so it's a different way of thinking because I need my work to add value to communities. But on a daily basis, I have been looking at how can I add value to my work today? Do I need to get better at things? Do I need to be better at relationships with my colleagues so that all of us can just sort of be giving of ourselves at the moment? Um, or do I actually need to take a break because what I'm while I'm looking at the screen, I am not adding any value here. I'm just staring at a screen and the time is just ticking by. And then I get frustrated with myself because I feel like I haven't been productive. Um, I, I, I hope you're seeing what I'm, what I'm sort of trying to say here in terms of productivity versus adding value. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and just, 
yeah, like like let's let's shift our thinking so that we are consistently trying to give of our best, but also acknowledge when what our capacity is. You know, like set those boundaries for ourselves. Also, like I the other day I took a nap at like half past nine in the morning because lately I've been starting my day at six. And a really um, a simple tip to sort of adjust in this time is to look at your daily routine and where how you work best in your daily routine. I work best when it's quiet, when it's early morning, when I sort of just get up and get going with things. Um, I take maybe like 20, 30 minutes to myself to have my first cup of coffee, to just set my intentions for the day or the things I want to do for the day. And I actually find that I actually add the most value in that first few hours. The other day I felt like I wasn't and I took a nap and I needed like a 20, 30 minute nap um, just because I had a ridiculous headache and I was, I could add more value for the rest of the day. Previously in trying to make sure that I actually worked all the hours that I needed to work, um, what I would have done was push through that headache, but sit at my desk, just going that my head hurts, my head hurts. And I would have wasted one to two hours because I can't focus. So take the time you need to be the best version of yourself and look mm-hmm. at your daily to see how you can adapt if it, is, if it is possible for you and if it is a requirement for you. Mm. I love that. I absolutely love that because I've been watching a lot of different YouTubers but the, the one that I watch, her name's Rowena Sai. She always talks about your energy and your time and looking at measuring, you know, in the day, when does your energy drop? And then when does it raise again? What task are you doing then? You know, with, are you feeling like you're doing, you're adding more value when you're doing this specific task? Does your energy go up or does it go down? And then design mm. your day around that energy output and the input oh, so it's like, what do you put in? And then how does it affect your energy? What time of the day is that? So you draw a graph basically, right? You're looking at like a, what is it? Like a sign graph or whatever. Um, yeah, so you, you put in what you're doing, how it affects your energy. Does it drop? Does it um, pick up? And then what you do after that? And then you see which tasks make you more energetic and what drops your value, what drops your energy. And then you design your day using that. Instead of designing it as like to-do lists or productivity yes. or whatever it is. So that's amazing that you said that as well. Basically, you're saying the same thing. Like you must know when you need time for yourself, when you need a nap, when you need to rest, when you need more social time or um, when you need a day off, you need a mental health day, for example. Yes. Um, that's amazing. Um, I love that advice. So you spoke about that screen, <laughs> looking at the screen all the time. I think we have the screen fatigue right now. Um, I just wanted to ask you, how do we make the right adjustments or take breaks, but still connect to people online and safely? Yeah, important. I mean, screens are, and like, let's just look at it from a... Um, holistic or like your full body space right so what, what's happening to your body with screens at the moment so you might find that your eyes are drying out um, or feel a little dry and scratchy a lot more often than they used to because um, screens do that fast and then also if you're looking at a screen and you're sort of looking down or forward all the time you're actually it actually affects the muscles of your eyes as well so my first tip with screen time would be give your eyes insufficient times to rest so during your day, if you're looking at a screen, try for every 20 to 30 minutes to look up and look at something that's about two meters away from you 
or like a couple of meters away from you. And if you can, I mean, put something in that corner if you need to, so that you just focus on that for a little bit. Maybe it's a picture of a loved one because then you're still, you know, releasing those happy endorphins of the thinking of somebody you love or it's a great memory that you have. Um, or it's even just a plant that's really pretty, something that you really enjoy looking at and then coming back to your screen because you're, you're then exercising your eye muscles, basically. Um, again, staying hydrated is super important for your eyes, for you, just your body in general. Staying hydrated is important. And then how do we connect to people without um, with the, the space of screens is what are we doing when, we, when we're screen timing with people? You know, there's an, as an occupational therapist I was studying something the other day and we have the science of doing. Doing is super important. So what are you doing when you're on screen time with people? Is it, is it just that you're chatting and looking at a screen and talking to people or are you doing something while you're busy with that? Are you doing a quiz night? Because um, you can do that on Kahoot and put a quiz night together. Are you um, watching, are you setting a Netflix party or something and like setting that up together so that you are all watching the same thing and then afterwards you're gathering just to have a conversation about it um, and to chat about it. How can we make this time more authentic for me is, is what I've been considering a lot lately is how do I make, you know, what, what I miss about family gatherings and family chats and chats with friends isn't the fact that I'm looking at you, <laughs> no offense to all my friends mm. and family, like we need to see our people. But what I'm missing is hearing the sound of your laughter. What I'm missing mm. is hearing how you learned about an, an, um, a situation in your life. What I'm missing is hearing, um, like, you know, there's every family has those, those stories that you kind of just go back to it and like reminisce about it. And what I'm, what I'm not wanting is, is I don't want to feel that as forced on a, on a screen space. Like, it's so easy for that to feel like, I don't know if, if you guys have experienced this, that when you gather sort of on Zoom, there's this moments of silence where everybody's just like, okay. Mm, yes, all the time. And, it's so awkward and you don't know what to do. You know? <laughs> and that's, that's a challenge. And that's because as humans, when we are gathering, we pick up on small things. And then you'll look at a friend and go, oh, those are such cute shoes. Mm. And an entire story will come out from those shoes. And it's not about the shoes. It's about your friend that's telling you that, you know, oh, they went to this place and the way they describe what the store looks like, that's what we're longing for. That's what we're missing. It's the person. It's not about what they look like or, or that they're in front of you. you. You could do the same thing on a WhatsApp without um, without looking at each other on a screen, on a WhatsApp video, um, phone, phone call, multiple people. It's about the, you know, the connections that we're missing. So, I would say if you're going to do screen to, um, Zooms and like Teams or whatever you're using to just connect the people for, for video calls, um, add those little things like, you know, maybe take something with you. In, like, guys, this, what was your favorite meal that you had as a family this week? And that we're going to talk about it. Um, like have some cues to have conversations so that it's not just everybody looking at each other going, okay, okay, 40 minutes is up now, bye. Like, it's, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we can add other things so we can play dictionary online we can play 30 seconds online we can play um well 30 seconds is hard because yeah you need people to learn all of those things but we can play other games um we can ask people things like you know what is what was your favorite thing that you did this week like what are you guys i know one of the top questions is what are you watching at the moment because we all ask each other that because it's a it's, we're looking for something that we have that's similar um other things you could do is say, look, guys, we're all going to have pizza night on Friday. Let's have it together. 
um, and then we chat about what's on your pizza. What did you put together? Um, we're all going to do like curry nights on Sunday. So like, what type of curry did you make? Oh, that's quite interesting. Where did you get that recipe? Mm. Like, where did you get those spices? I think we're at a point where we're not gathering just for the sake of gathering. Um, we're gathering because we need each other. And if we need each other, we might need some cues for conversations. And that's absolutely fine if we need cues for conversations. Pick one, pick, throw them all in a hat if you need to, and pick one out and be like, oh, let's talk about um, dad's 30th, 40th birthday, dad's 50th birthday. Remember what happened there and all of those things. Um, like, if we're going to use screening time as time to connect, then give yourself some, some things to talk about, give yourself some different ways to connect, um, ensure that. Ask other people what they're doing for, for their self-care. You know, somehow we forget how to interact <laughs> just a little bit. And it is because when we're together, we pick up on a lot of small things in, in our spaces mm. and they launch yeah. long conversations. Yeah. I actually just miss seeing people's faces in like 3D or I just miss yeah. seeing different angles like yeah. with Zoom you can only see someone's face from the front yeah. I miss just seeing like the ears and like the neck <laughs> or whatever it's just like I'm so frustrated because you know we only see one angle um mm. so yeah it's it's been quite a big adjustment but I love those tips that you've added um just before we close, Amy, I just want to touch on something that you spoke about earlier, and that is um, pre-existing mental health conditions or anyone mm -hmm. suffering from anxiety or depression. Um, are there any free um, community initiatives that uh, someone can, you know, sign up to? Because at the moment, you know, perhaps the person's in a situation where they lost their job and mm. they cannot afford therapy or counseling because healthcare or having like you know medical aid and things it's a privilege in South Africa mm -hmm. so are there any free um, community initiatives uh, that uh, people can sign up to in case they are suffering from anxiety or depression um yes they are there are quite a few but we also need to differentiate between like well let, let's let's just look at this in from a, a broader aspect so if you feel like you need someone to speak to um, and you feel like you are, I almost want to say you're semi-coping with your daily life. So if you feel like you're, if, you know, if you're still able to maintain what you need to do throughout the day, you're getting up, you're getting showered, you're going to, you know, if you're unemployed, you're still interested in possibly finding employment. You, so, you, you know, you're doing all those things to put that together. If you feel like you're sort of in that space. In places like Hope House offer counseling services and they do it online as well. They've got services based in Bergfleet, Tableview, and Kales River, but they also offer online and like WhatsApp consultations, etc. Um, and they have so many counselors available. This service is fantastic. Um, their website's also really helpful with phone numbers, etc. And that's Hope House Counseling. Um, there's also Counseling Hub, which is in Cape Town, and I know they had a waiting list quite recently, but they charge 50 rand a session, um, and they, they also give you sort of a limited amount of sessions, and this is why I want to differentiate, because if you, the, um, the, other side of the, the other side of the space of depression and anxiety is that if you are in a space where everything in your daily life feels difficult, getting out of bed feels hard, it feels almost um, almost impossible um, 
eating anything feels hard, drinking anything feels like it's impossible. If you're in that space, or if you know somebody who's in that space and they need more help, please do not negate our community health services. Um, if you're going to like a community health service in terms of your day hospital, they have psychiatric nurses. They have nurses who can either refer you for a better assessment or they will give you a basic assessment and refer, um, either provide medication or set up an appointment for when there will be a psychiatrist who can provide medication. There's a lot of negativity around our health systems. But as someone who often works within the health system, I can tell you that there's a lot going right. There's very much times where there's a lot going wrong, but there's also a lot going right. And people are hesitant to access these services because we've also portrayed the space in South Africa of our community health services being for only for the sort of those people, you know, only for the people who can't. And I must stay in my bracket and stay in my space. But it's your mental health is so important that if you need the services, get the services. Like, mm. don't negate our community health centers and our nurses and doctors and occupational therapists and psychologists who work in the community health services. They are they're doing good work. And they also have other projects connected to community health centers. As some, an example of this is in, um, in Hanover Park. They have a maternal mental health unit that is attached to it's a UC maternal mental health units so they've got their counselors and therapists etc there to support maternal mental health there are other projects like this throughout the communities as well Cape mental health is also a really great service and you can phone them they have intake social workers as well you can ask for a social worker they'll talk you through your situation they'll try and find services and access to help for you um, they are a very nice service point as well and that is um if you Google them, you'll also find their website's also pretty helpful. Okay, mental health is pretty helpful. Um, but there are services. There are people out there that want to help you. And your mental health is so important. Um, so whether you are in the space of just needing a little bit of support and feeling like, you know, I, I, I just so that you don't sort of your mental health doesn't decline any further. Because it's also important if you consistently do not get the help, you, you won't heal. You won't, I mean, it takes work. It's not going to go away. Um, your depression might feel like you are okay one day and then a week later you're not. This is what depression does. Um, it changes your thoughts. It changes your routines. It changes your practices of your day. So pay attention to that and consider how you can help yourself and care for yourself in this space. And if it means talking to someone and you don't have someone in your life that you trust and that you feel you can be open and honest and vulnerable with, then these services are available for you to access. And they are trained professionals who can assist you in these spaces. Thank you so much, Amy. I think um, cool. those, sure, resources, <laughs> those resources um, is absolutely amazing. We'll check it out and perhaps we'll add it um, on the show notes as well. So if anyone mm. is wanting to access those uh, resources, then um, they can do so. Um, yeah, we just want to thank you so much for adding so much value, speaking about trauma, grief, self-care and self-love. Um, it's been really great having you on the show. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely continue following you on social media um, just to hear and see 
um, everything that you're doing in your um, space as well. Thank you. And thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a really cool chat. And thank, thank you, you for the, the platform. Like, yeah. Well done on your platform, ladies. It's, uh, it's so necessary, so necessary. Thank and I'm really so excited much. to watch it grow. Thank you so, so much. I just wanted to know one last thing. Where can people mm. find you if they want to find you online? Or, yeah, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, I'm mostly on Instagram at the self-care studio underscore CT. Um, lots more coming up in terms of a YouTube channel and website, et cetera, working on all those spaces. Um, but that's where you can find me for now. Um, and then, yeah, I'm very accessible in my DMs. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I really enjoyed chatting to you. And I will obviously be interacting with you online. And I wish you all the best yeah. for your upcoming um endeavors and yeah take care of yourself <laughs> thank you thanks, thanks amy thank you, bye thank you. chat soon all right bye. thank you for joining conversations with women of color check out our instagram page called conversations with women of color and we'll see you there